0: You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HT Smartcast.
1: Hi, this is Manjula Narayan, National Books Editor, Hindustan Times, and this is the Books and Authors podcast. It's a weekly podcast where I speak to authors who've got a new book out. Music Today, I have with me Kumi Kapoor, who's written The Tatars, Freddie Mercury and Other Bawas, An Intimate History of the Parsis. Hi, Kumi. Hi, Manjula <laughs> Thanks for oh. calling me to your show. <laughs> Privileged yeah. to be here. Thank you. So, you know, I was reading this book and it's uh, about Parsis and you've put in such a lot of, I mean, I think only a Parsi. Would be able to decipher all the family connections and everything that you've just put down in this book. So <laughs> let's talk. Let's start with that. You know. Yeah, but which connections are you no, talking I about? Talking, are you yeah talking? the beginning? I mean, you know, all the connections well, between the big Parsi families because it just seems like everybody is related to everybody else. You know, in some way or the other. Uh, well, some families more than others. For yeah.
0: example, when I was researching the background of Nasli Wadia, yes, I found that he was uh, descended from practically every important Parsi of the <laughs> earliest centuries, whether it was Jamshedji Gigi Boy or uh, Dada by, Na, uh, Na, uh, Dada by uh, the founder of this uh, steam navigation company or it was the man who built the steam ships or it was Sir Dinsha Pettit who started the first cotton mills in Bombay. Mm. And of course, his own uh, uh, grandfather, uh, great-great-great-great-grandfather was Lavji Kama, who built the Bombay docks.
1: Bombay docks, yeah, Drive port. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, but uh, within like the Tatas and the Wadiahs and the Pettits and the uh, Gigi Boys and all these people, it's like, I mean, I, I was when I was reading it, I found it so confusing. But uh, you kind of put it all out there. So I was thinking only a Parsi could write this book. Um, I think being a Parsi makes
0: it easier but i am not that interconnected into the
1: community <laughs> as some people in Bombay would have been. okay, so you had to dig a lot to find all the uh, a, a little bit yes yes oh, okay I, I I thought within the Parsi community maybe everybody knows this uh, you know that no, well,
0: there were no go, uh, going back generations I don't know whether they'd be able to do that hmm. uh, easily okay. I remember when uh, I met varya He produced his huge family tree, but even he seemed a little confused about who was what. Huh? <laughs> okay,
1: okay. So, how long did you uh, work on this book? You know, was it always at the back of your mind?
0: Uh, well, I, I actually started in 2016 after uh, going on a trip to the Parsi pilgrimage sites in Gujarat of Udwada, Surat, Navsari, mm. Sanjan. Yes. It was at the back of my mind and by fortuitous uh, coincidence, the a publisher asked me, would you like to write a book on the Parsis? So I thought about it and I said, yes, I would. And But I was still mulling over it because I'm sort of still a working journalist. Mm. Uh, when... This uh, famous fight of 2016 between Ratan Tata and Cyrus Mystery began. Mm. And uh, I thought at once that that's a lovely intro for any story on the Parsis because I didn't want to make it an encyclopedia type of a, mm. uh, a book or a historical just a historical book. I wanted it to be a story. And mm. what better story to start with than the Tatas, which who are the biggest, not the biggest Parsi uh, group. They're the biggest group in India probably today. Mm. The best known, the most diverse. And here were these three families going back to Bombay's industrial revolution uh, um, at war with each other. Mm. So it was a very interesting story, which I didn't think the financial papers brought out in all its colorful details, you know, <laughs> the what really was behind it? Why mm. did Mr. Ratan Tata so precipitously sack Cyrus Mystery? I mean, there were just five more months for him, for uh, his contract to come uh, for
1: renewal, so he could just as well waited. Mm. But, um, I mean, from your book, it seems to me that, you know, the two men just didn't, were just on different tracks. Yeah, there were lots of pulls and pressures,
0: obviously. So Mm -hmm. actually, when it starts, it's a bit of a business story because uh, it's not just a Parsi story. The first four chapters are also heavily into uh, uh, business because I think a lot of uh, people who are in the industry and journalists in the business world uh, would be interested in some of the facts which I managed to dig out because I haven't
1: seen them before. Yes, yes, there were a lot of there. There are a lot of nuggets of information that I just said, I thought, oh, I didn't know that, you know. So let's talk about that. How did you manage to uh, uh, dig them out? Well, by talking to people.
0: That's the usual way. But of course, (laughs) you have to talk to a lot of people before you finally hit the right person (laughs) who has the story. Yes, yes. Because you know, it, so I, I mean, like uh, the two key things that I picked up uh, in the data story was first and foremost the story of how the mysteries got the shares in the first place. Hmm. Hmm. That was always shrouded in mystery. Actually, it should have been very easy to dig out.
2: Hmm. Uh,
0: uh, they're much later shares than had been presumed early, uh, purchases than had been yes. presumed earlier.
1: 1965. And the other thing, huh? 1965, you, you see, I think. Uh, in three lots yes. 60,
0: 65, 70 something, two or so, huh? 71, 70. hmm. uh, and under, under Which shows like- they were recent and they were not without, at least two of them were not without the approval of the then uh, chairman of Tata's, uh, J.R.D. Tata.
1: Yes, he didn't seem very uh, happy.
0: No, uh, the, no, the whole situation changed when the law in India changed. Hmm. Because the Tatas, you know, never really controlled their own companies. Hmm. They, uh, it, I mean, in the sense they control their companies, but they didn't own their companies. Yes. They were owned by shareholders, and at times, in some of those companies, the Tatas had a small shareholding. It was only that in those days, there was a system of managing agencies. So the Tatas managed uh, to control the various diverse companies mm-hmm. because of the managing agency. But once the mon- uh, monopolies and restrictive trade practices came into force, uh, the managing agency system ended in India. And the P- Tatas found themselves in a very vulnerable position. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't have the control, that there was no managing agency. Mm-hmm. So actually, when uh, Ratan took over the empire, he had somehow to regain control.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that was his primary purpose. Okay. And the irony of this whole convoluted story with people changing sides, etc., is that Ratan gained that power uh, through the connection, political connections of Nasli Wadia, yes, with whom he was very friendly in those days. Huh? Mm-hmm. Because the uh, BJP government under Mr. Vajpayee mm-hmm. changed, amended the law for charitable trusts, making a special exception for the Tata trusts, mm-hmm. that they could vote in corporate matters. Normally, in charitable trusts, you vote through a government nominee.
1: Hmm. okay okay so you know i was thinking that the first few chapters like you said reads like a uh, like a business book but through that you've managed to uh, you know bring out how um, you know the very interconnectedness i mean people are re- related to each other they're married to each other's I don't know, somebody, somebody's brother-in-law, you know, cousin, this and that. So that must have complicated matters a lot, right?
0: Uh, Yeah, but as you will see from the first chapter, when it came to voting, people certainly didn't vote along family lines necessarily at all. Mm -hmm. For example, uh, Mr. Ratan Tata's own brother, Mm. abstained in the vote against Cyrus Mistry, whereas his brother-in-law, who is also Ratan Tata's uh, Mm. uh, half-brother, voted for Ratan and not for his brother-in-law. Very complicated. There's another gentleman called Melli Mistry, Mm. another very big businessman of Bombay, Mm. who voted against Cyrus and for Ratan. Mm. Though he's the cousin on both sides with Cyrus. So yes, (laughs) it is a sort of family (laughs) saga.
1: Feuding family. I can imagine that weddings and funerals must be very fraught (laughs) for these people. I found that while you're putting out all these details, one gets an idea of the personalities of these men. Right? Right? Which is... You know, especially um, uh, Ratan Tata and Nasli Wadia, they come out as, you know, how did they fall out? One still doesn't know. what it. What is it that made them fall out, really? Well, it was clear that, you know,
0: there were several reasons for the breaking point. But I think it had been building up for some years because when this, this alliance of sorts between uh, Nasli Wadia and Ratan Tata, when it started... Hmm. according to most people who are familiar with the happenings it was Nasli though he was younger who was in the driver's seat because he was the one who was much more familiar with the corridors of power in Delhi and very much so with the lawyer after all his grandfather is Muhammad Ali Jinnah and I believe he's got a brilliant legal mind Hmm. so the. Tata has often relied on his expertise and advice. As was very clear when they ha- f- came into trouble during this tea estate in Assam, uh, yes. when they were accused of uh, uh, harboring a terrorist. Yes, It was uh, Nasli who came to their rescue. But I think over a period of time, Ratan Tata gained the confidence to t- decide that he didn't really need Nasli. He could do it on his own.
2: Hmm.
1: Hmm. and
0: he had more political connections than anybody else.
1: Yes. But uh, in, why did Nasriwadia not like Krishna Kumar? That is also a thing which I couldn't, uh, you know, fathom. Well, obviously, he felt that
0: his influence was not desirable. or Maybe it was just that his influence was
1: becoming more important than his own. Okay. One doesn't think of uh, boardroom... Um, Happenings in quite these emotional terms of basically, I mean, when you read read stuff like this, you think, oh, it all comes down to personalities rather than.
0: Well, I like it, uh, whether it's politics or anything else, when I write, I like to bring in personalities. I think people become much more interested in a story where personalities are involved than
1: just dry facts. That's true. That's true. I think these are the most difficult chapters, right? So, well, these were very clear-cut that you had to
0: uh, investigation for a journalist. Yes. So, I mean, it's something I was used to. Mm. But how to get a coherent theme for the Parsis was a bit more difficult. I mean, there's so many illustrious Parsis that how many, how many can you keep in and how many do you keep out and how many fit, you know, in a theme. Of mm. course, a lot of... Interesting and eminent names have got left out in the process.
1: Yes, I saw, I noticed. Uh, <laughs> so, have you yeah. got a blowback for that? Yeah, well, uh, one which is totally
0: unintentional and which I hope to do in, if there's a next edition is uh, Adi Marispan, the famous playwright yes. who was also the editor of the Jame Jamshed, the Parsi newspaper of the Bible in uh, Parsi families in mm-hmm. earlier times. Hmm. And uh, this man was so versatile that he did his plays, he ran his newspaper, and it said that the Gujarati Parsi plays, which, which were hugely uh, numerous, are really the
1: foundation on which the Hindi cinema yes. came up. Yes, the, that that has been documented. Also, the Parsi uh, uh, troops were the big companies, right? From which all these people emerged. From from which the whole industry, in the film industry, emerged. Yeah.
0: yeah, a lot of Parsi businessmen had investments in films. Yeah. Yes, and was- these Wadia brothers, for example, who so were among the pioneers, they they made films right at the start.
1: Yes. Hmm, the Hunter Wali films and all that, which you mentioned.
0: Yes, yes. Um, the Hunter Wali actress he discovered and married. Yes.
1: <laughs> and also, I, I didn't know this bit about uh, uh, Mughal Azam being uh, funded by. Uh, the Miss, uh, yes, uh, Cyrus's
0: grandfather. Yes, Cyrus Mystery's yes. grandfather. <laughs> Father, very colorful gentleman. Yeah, They still own the rights of that uh, Mughal Azam. Oh, they because do. Because yes, and Mughlai Azam is still done as a play, very mm-hmm. glittering play. Okay. But it was, as I said, an investment worth making in an industry where it's so difficult to blow up all your money.
1: Yes, that's true. I also enjoyed the uh, the chapter on uh, on on the women, on Parsi women, especially. I don't know why why is Bikaji Kama so underrated? Do you think?
0: Um, she was underrated because the Parsi's themselves were very ambivalent in their attitude towards her in their times. Mm. Uh, Not even during their times, even later. For example, I mentioned the fact that at her centenary, the government of India suggested that a portrait of her be put up in the K.R. Kama Institute, which is Mm. named after her father-in-law. Yes, And uh, the institute declined. Um, because uh, you know, unlike Dada by Naroji, who may have fought the British, mm. but he fought on what they would consider civilized lines, whereas she was regarded by them as a bit of an anarchist. Mm. She believed in uh, violence if the means, uh, means if it the end was justified, mm. and she preached. A lot, she supported f- fervently supported um, Savarkar. Yes. Yes. Which was shocking for the Parsis, you know. Mm. Mm. Okay. So it was uh, very unusual for a Parsi lady from a very aristocratic family to be supporting this Hindutva icon. Mm. But she did it right till the end, and because of that, she was ostracized by her own family.
1: Mm. Yeah, and her, her her death seems to have been very sad and lonely. Yes, it was very tragic. She died in the Parsi
0: General Hospital in Bombay, but almost no one came to see her. And, you know, she ha- she returned home finally when she was crippled and old and she gave an undertaking to the British that she will not engage in any further, you know, revolutionary activity. She was in no position to do so. I mean, she was past 70 and very frail and ill.
1: Hmm. Hmm. But, but but still, I mean, quite a remarkable woman to have, like, uh, unfurled the flag. Very,
0: very far uh, far more progressive than one would have imagined for those days. Yes. Yeah, she's best known for unfurling the flag. Yes. In a foreign country for the uh, 40 years before independence. Yeah, it's quite amazing. But there a, was a whole different side to her, which I brought out, about her links with Savarkar. Yes. um, which is generally glossed over
1: in earlier history books okay okay though I mean clearly she was more of the radical bent of mind oh yes very much so very much so Hmm. but even her personal life is quite and she seems to have been really strong in her uh, I mean not meeting her husband even when he came to meet her when she was ailing and stuff like that. what a strong person (laughs) I thought that she would have given it up yeah
0: you know, yes yeah, she was a strong personality there's no question about that. Hmm.
1: Though I don't understand why why is the place in Delhi named Bikaji Kama if it's uh, you know why is it misspelled?
0: Well the spelling is wrong as i pointed out. Yes <laughs> one of those government uh, things uh, you know errors in a <laughs> typist or whatever which has <laughs> never been corrected. Uh, hmm. She has a road after her named, uh, the, one of the major roads in Bombay named after her also. Yes. So it's not as if the
1: country has not recognized it's only her worth. <laughs> oh, you, her worth, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I'm her telling. Okay. Her worth. Yeah, of course, I think the country has recognized it. Though it's still not, you know, I mean, people, young people know about Sarojini Naidu and, and all. but Yes. Because, and they were all much later than her, actually. Yeah. But much fewer know about uh, Bikaji Kama, so it's...
0: Yeah, apart from the flag uh, incident, uh, they don't know much. Perhaps in the early history books also, it was under Congress regime, so they didn't really want to play up the sawarka angle.
1: Mm, yeah, about the dwindling numbers in the, uh, in the community because of... which is such a hot topic because of not accepting people who marry outside. You know, so is it, that continues to be a a huge thing for? Yeah. The, so let's talk about that. Well, the numbers
0: are certainly dwindling. As I uh, at the time of independence, there were uh, over a hundred thousand uh, Parsis in India. Mm. In the last census in twenty eleven, it was down to fifty seven thousand, mm. and at the rate of ten to twelve percent. In every ten years, they're declining. Mm. Uh, so this, by the end of the century, they'll be the, the down to a try. If they continue, one reason, of course, is the low birth rate. Mm. But another reason, which could this thing about you know being, uh, if Parsis allowed women, Parsi women who marry outside the community to bring up their children as Parsis. Mm which is not accepted at present.
1: Hmm. But even uh, the men who marry outside the community, I mean, the children are accepted as Parsi now, aren't they? Yes, they, they've always accepted. They, they
0: claim it's because it's a patrilineal society. That's why the children are accepted. If they go through the proper rituals of a Navjot, etc. But, you know, actually, if you when you say what it, it's a Parsi, you actually mean it's a Zoroastrian that you're accepting because yes. what is a Parsi? A Parsi is a ray. Uh, is are the descendants of the people who came from Iran, Zoroastrians who came from Iran, mm. and sought shelter in India.
2: Mm.
0: They migrated to India. Yes. So whatever religion they follow, they're still Parsis, mm. but they may not be acceptable as Zoroastrian Zoroastrians to some of those who are in charge of the fire temples or the towers of silence where the bodies are disposed of, funeral rites, etc. But the dispute is about that. Should people who marry, women who marry outside the community be allowed to take part in Zoroastrian religious ceremonies? Mm -hmm.
1: But these are things which are so, I mean, they're so personal and it's it's kind of hurtful, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, um,
0: it's just a few conservatives making the most noise. I think the majority of the community, which is a very progressive community, would not mind at all. Hmm. But I would like it, in fact, because over a period of time, especially in the last century, earlier, there, it, you moved in a basically passive society. But in modern times, you there's so much more intermixing with everybody. Yes. That the chances of marrying somebody from your own community is slight. Huh? Yes. Yes. Not slight, but not very great either. Huh? Mm-hmm.
1: And, and things like immigration and, you know, um, I don't know, growing, growing secularization, I suppose, is what we can say. You know, it's a, it's a result of modernity. And everybody, I guess, across communities, this intermixing has happened. But when it happens in a small community like, like the Parsis, I guess it stands out. And that's what I, I suppose a minority, a very small minority community would be protesting against. Is that what it is?
0: Yeah, it's a small minority of a minority community who mm. make the most noise. But since I would say by now, at least 30 to 40 percent of the community mm. has instances in their own families of girls having married out, mm. I think a lot of them would like the law, to be, uh, not the law, the
1: tradition to be changed. Hmm. But do you think that's going to happen? I mean,
0: yeah. it has happened already in a way. There are Parsi priests who perform the Naujot, which is the initiation ceremony for a Zoroastrian. Hmm. Uh, they perform it for uh, the children of those who have non-Parsi fathers, if the hmm. mother is a Parsi.
1: Hmm. Okay. So, 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 you think uh, going forward, uh, these like sort of fundamentalist elements will become irrelevant in general because their numbers are also dwindling so much, right?
0: Well, you know, <laughs> it, in all communities, as you will see, the ones who make the noise are always the fundamentalist few yes. because they feel passionately on the subject. Huh?
2: Mm-hmm. Okay,
0: the rest will not agree but will not like to stick out often you know yes to take on
1: yeah i guess it, it takes too much uh, it, it, it's it's too it's too painful and it's too uh... yeah some some have gone to court
0: like this Gulruk gupta went to court mm. to uh, the, right all the way to the supreme court to ensure that she was allowed to attend the funeral uh, Uh, prayers for her parents when they pass away. Yes. Because she this was in Valsad, because she had seen that her friend had been stopped from being present.
2: Hmm. So
0: the Supreme Court finally upheld her, right? But the whole larger religious question has been reserved for another bench.
2: Hmm.
0: Okay,
1: so it's still not resolved. No, it's not. You know, I found, like, everybody knows that, uh, you know, Jinnah is uh, Nasli Wadia's um, grandfather. But I didn't know that Pakistan, lots of Pakistanis didn't know that Jinnah had this Parsi, uh, whole Parsi family in India. Well, I came
0: to know about it. It, They may know now because uh, after the Wadia's visited Pakistan. Yeah. uh, But uh, for a cricket, during Vajpas time again, when they went for cricket But years ago, before that, when I had visited Karachi to our then Consul General, Manilal Tripathi, he had told me that people here are just taken uh, amazed because they don't know this fact. The Pakistanis, in the early years of independence, kept it hidden. Kept it hidden? At least they didn't
1: discuss it. What? That's so bizarre. Since Jinnah's family was a secret that the Pakistani authorities guarded for years (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, they didn't write. it was just not uh, mentioned they preferred to talk about Fatma Jinnah as being the relative where cool. his own daughter was living in New York and his
1: grandson was in India
0: an Indian businessman
1: <laughs> mm. and also I didn't I mean you, this thing about, uh, you putting in a lot of information you know I didn't know this thing about uh, Koja Muslims following Hindu law not Sharia you know yeah, yeah, yeah. This so the, these sort of things I think made made reading this book quite informative, not just about the Parsees but about related people as well. So I'm glad. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about you know you've devoted a whole chapter to Parsi women, and I mean I've known lots of Parsi women, and I find them you know well. Uh, very robust and very, you know, forthright. So let's talk about Parsi women and also very gutsy, you know, so.
0: Well, as my chapter on women points out, they were ahead of their times. Hmm. The one reason for that being that they were encouraged to uh, become educated before other communities in India. Hmm. So that's why they went in for the professions. For example, the first uh, Indian lawyer, Cornelius Sorabji, is a Parsi. Hmm. The first uh, woman to be called to the bar, Mithan Lam, is a Parsi. Hmm. The first lady of Indian origin to be a pilot, to fly a plane, is Hmm. uh, J.R.D. Tata's sister, though people don't note this fact perhaps because she wasn't and, uh, she was in France in those days, mm-hmm. so somebody else gets the credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many firsts, you know,
1: mm-hmm. because
0: they were ahead of their times in the n- late 19th century in getting into various professions, okay. whether it was photography or
1: yes, uh, yes. And I I didn't know that who even my... uh,
0: even suffragette the suffragette movement emancipation family planning. Mm-hmm. The Parsi women generally went much before others. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, by the way, this um, empowerment of Parsi women goes back a long time in history. Because if you look, for example, in the history of the Wadia or the Redimani family, mm-hmm. you find that the, uh, in the early 19th century, or even in the end of the 18th century, these women were one of them. For example, Motley Baiwadia, she was running a huge business uh, empire because with trading and shipping. Because her husband had died when she was very young. Mm-hmm. So the tradition of
1: strong passive women has always been there. Mm. So they weren't they weren't like sequestered. I mean, or they might have been physically, but they were like uh, you know. Uh, they were less sequestered than other communities, not totally. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, for example, Jamseji, the um, boy, the first baronet, he was the one who made a move to ensure... He saw that uh, it was a big advantage to him if his women folk as his daughter-in-laws were, you know, went to balls and functions. Mm-hmm. So, But before that, even... Parsi women were sequestered to some extent, and especially after they were widowed mm. they were often sequestered, but then they got uh, overcame these social hurdles earlier okay they were more progressive in these matters
1: mm. okay okay so much they're much ahead of the other communities who i i guess yeah definitely, and
0: one reason for that of course is education, where mm. there's no question. Because the Parsis, one of their many charities in the beginning was Parsi uh, women's uh, schools. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because they realized that is the key to advancement. You know, Mm -hmm. there were always schools for the boys because the Christian missionaries started. But there were not so many schools for girls in those days, at least in Bombay.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and I, I, I also didn't know this thing about uh, the reaction to uh, missionary activity kind of strengthening the uh, Parsi. Oh, that's one one case. That is the famous Wilson case. Yes. It
0: was an unusual one when a missionary converted two Parsi boys and the entire community was up in arms. Hmm. It was said in the 19th century. huh? Hmm. and that was what galvanized the community into reform in their religion okay. because the missionaries were trying to make out that uh, zoroastrianism is not a monotheistic religion it's a dualistic or of uh, and it's a nature worshiping religion hmm.
2: Hmm.
0: so many Parsis scholars became interested in knowing more about the religion and really studying it because The point about why it's so difficult to study uh, Zoroastrianism is that it's all in a language, which is, it's a dead language. It's ancient Persian, which is called Avastar Pelvi.
2: Mm, So
0: only a few people studied it actually. And many of the priests who are not so well educated, uh, they said the prayers by rote without understanding what the words actually were. So there was a movement for reforms and also questioning whether the religion is this essentially what the prophet Zoroaster preached in the Gathas mm. some two thousand
2: three
0: thousand years ago, mm. and what has later been added to the religion, the customs, the rituals, etc., have been done by priests over a period of time, and they're not a, really an essential part of the religion. Okay, just as today, this idea that no, you can't join us, you can't become a Parsi if you're not born one, a Zoroastrian, if you're not born a Parsi. Mm. That's all just been added on with time. It has nothing to do with the essential of the original religion.
1: Mm. Okay. Okay. So, go I mean, like towards the end, when you see that, you know, all the things that are happening in North America and stuff. So, there can be like lots of, going forward, there will be more Zoroastrians perhaps while the Parsi community might or might not shrink, is that what you're saying?
0: Uh, well, yes, if people join, the become Zoroastrians, but I don't see a great number becoming Zoroastrians. But a lot of people, as I pointed out, from areas where Zoroastrianism was practiced centuries ago mm. before the coming of Islam, yes. followed. Uh, are interested in knowing more about their original roots. Hmm. Such hmm. as the Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, most of all among the Kurds in yes. Syria, Iraq, Turkey. Hmm. There they have even translated the Gathas, which is the teachings of the Prophet, hmm. into their language. Hmm. So they obviously want to reconnect. They're called Neo
1: Zoroastrians, for hmm. example. Hmm. Okay. Though you know, uh, I mean, I'm they have
0: this respect, uh, the same reverence for fire that okay. the Indians or Astrians, the Parsis have.
1: Hmm.
0: They follow Navroz, which is oh, the New yeah. Year. Yes, yes, uh, the spring equinox.
1: Yes. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about Firoz Gandhi. You know, you like, of course, a lot of people have written about him and, you know, and he comes across as this, um, uh, you know, sort of firebrand. But he's, you kind of stressed his contribution, which is quite substantial when it comes to, uh, you know, the protection of publication bill and, and stuff like that. Right. So let's talk. No, about uh, he was,
0: Firoz Gandhi was taken very lightly. And basically, he's remembered for the fact that he married into the Nehru Gandhi family. Yes, But as a parliamentarian in his latest years, he did very well. Because mm-hmm. in those days, there was really no opposition. Mm-hmm. So though he was a congressman and the son-in-law of the prime minister, mm-hmm. he took on the government on corruption issues. Mm-hmm. The mo- most famous being the Mudindra case in which as a result... The uh, finance minister Titi Krishnamachari had to resign because of what his outs- uh, you know what he brought out in Parliament. And mm-hmm. It was very embarrassing for the Prime Minister Nehru at that time. Yes, I can imagine. <laughs> so I mean, Firoz Gandhi must be credited with that he played the role of an opposition when there was almost no opposition.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Just mm-hmm. So completely dominated by the Congress.
1: Yes, yes, and then this. this and then
0: actually, if you went by the, uh, the you know, the paternal line, hmm. then the Gandhi should have been. Uh, uh, they were actually permitted to be Parsis. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so they did not want to be. <laughs>
1: You mentioned this. I laughed at this paragraph. While Parsi's with an inborn sense of their own superiority are generally reluctant to accept the offspring of those who marry outside the community and those and whose descendants do not adhere to Zoroastrian customs. This aloofness does not hold true for the Gandhis. <laughs> and it's true because I remember my Parsi neighbor saying that, you know, uh, you know, they are Parsies. Somebody actually mentioned this to me in Bombay. So.
0: Yes. Well so actually if you go up, technically by the term that Parsis are the descendants of those who care, which uh, who came from Iran yes there are Parsis <laughs> mixed Parsis but Parsis yes. they're not Zoroastrians because yes. they've never gone through the initiation ceremony of anavjo or anything like that. Mm. Yes. So But that Parsi blood has got diluted over the generations. Mm, okay. But Rajiv was half a Parsi. Yes.
1: Um, and and uh, you've also mentioned that when uh, where, why, when he became Prime Minister, uh, he asked his relatives not to make too much of it, right? Of his passing. Yeah, uh, yeah, I
0: remember one of the relatives telling me, because I was in Bombay in those days working for India today, and the lady had come and she'd given, sure, bro, I'd taken from her a photograph, and the resemblance between Rajiv and uh, his father is stunning. You can't You couldn't make out the difference in that photograph. And she gave it to me and she said, you can use it, but please don't make too much of it because we have been told to keep a low profile because <laughs> the Gandhis at that stage really didn't want any their Parsi connections being raked up. Her. Because people in North India, even when I came settled in Delhi, people in North India are very vague about what exactly is a Parsi. Some people think they're Christians. They're not quite sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Parsi in Bombay, is, there's uh, no, uh, there's certainly no.
1: Yeah, outside outside Western India, I guess, you know. India. Parsi, hmm. Yeah, Parsi presence is not so huge that everybody knows what they are. So Parsi
0: presence is not huge anywhere, but Parsi impact is certainly there <laughs> in Western India.
1: Yes, you know, I really, I mean, the book is really packed and it kind of gave me an insight um, and... You know, it's interesting reading as well. So, thank you for I'm talking. Glad you liked it. <laughs> thank you for thank talking. Thank you for calling me. Thank okay.
0: You. Bye. Bye. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HT Smartcast.
2: HT Smartcast.